Before I speak on the Holy Spirit, I would just like to let's think about how tragic and sad it is, these shootings that are going on in our, our country. You know, our heart grieves so heavily when these happen. And I was on my way back from Wisconsin, and I was listening to the commentators as they were commenting about this tragic event. And as they were commenting, they said that we, we've got to somehow find a way to address these issues so we don't have these things happening. And they were identifying we've got to get counselors together. And it's true because sometimes, in many cases, mental illness is part of it. But as they went on and described all kinds of groups, a couple of them, maybe at the end, just kind of, well, the faith community can have a part in that too. Quite frankly, that troubles me because I think the faith community ought to have a very significant part in anything that's addressed in our other kingdom, which is the kingdom of the world that we're still a part of. And what saddens me as I listen to this, I don't care what your view of immigration is, we can discuss that all we want, but the tragedy is the shooting down in El Paso might have been addressed because of the issue of immigration and the hatred that's extended to them. And my comment to that is that there's no justification as Christians or anybody, regardless of your view of immigration, to spew such hate for people. And nobody in the kingdom of God, as my message two weeks ago, should treat people with such contempt. And many of these also are against particular racial groups. And there's no place in the kingdom of God to extend such hate to anybody, anybody who's a product of God's creation made in the image of God. And so folks, I want to say to us, we ought to be involved. We have to, we have to think about it. This, this tremendous amount of hate that's in our world, but that is not what the kingdom of God is all about. And we need to do our part. We do our part. We do it among us. Among us. What about among us? And a lot of that hate language is destructive. And we have to think as a people of God how we're going to respond. I have much more I'd like to say. It's very troubling. <laughs> it's just very, very disconcerting to me. And then here another shooting in Dayton taking place. It's just tragic. Let's pray. Father, may we as the people of faith who know the best, we know what's best, Father, because we understand the depth of human hearts. And Father, we are the people who understand the genuineness of love that we ought to be expressing to people made in the image of God, recreating the image potentially of Christ. Father, help us to be part of the solutions. Help us to enter into the discussions as sees fit. But Father, help us be agents of compassion and grace and goodness in this world. Father, we pray for those folks, those families. But Father, I pray for us that we have the kind of heart that you're looking for and you're longing for in us as your people as we confront our world. Amen. Now I've got to talk about the Holy Spirit. After that. What's that? Oh, the Holy Spirit is present there. Okay. Yeah. I had two experiences when I was younger with the expression of the Holy Spirit. One of them was I was very young. I went to a charismatic service, and I'm not here to be a little charismatics at all because I think they got a lot of good truth. But it was bedlam. There were people slain in the Spirit, falling on the ground. There were people prophesying and people interpreting, and the, the pastor was weaving the whole thing together and making it all happen. It was quite an expression. Uh, it wasn't done in order, as the Scripture talks about. But nonetheless, that was one of my first encounters, probably not a very good example of the richness of the tradition. 
Another time I went up to the University of Madison with a group of people and we were, we were praying for the Spirit to be at work. And it was quite interesting the kinds of things that happened. But it was also rather peculiar because at the time we, didn't, we were supposed to take communion and we didn't have any elements. So let's do it with popcorn and Coke. And so we had communion with popcorn and Coke and it didn't seem to bother them any. A little sacrilegious to me, my tradition, but nonetheless. The Holy Spirit is so critically important for us as people of faith. And I think he's, he's integrated, he needs to be integrated in our every experiences of our lives as we consistently study the Word and as we apply it in our lives. If you love me, you keep my commandments, Jesus says to us. And the Father, the Helper, will come and be with you forever. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him and he lives in you and he will be in you. I think that's a fantastic passage and the importance of the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you a broader picture and then I'll zero in on that passage for just a few moments. I think we need to understand as clearly as we can the reality of the Holy Spirit, who is one of the persons of the triune God. If anybody asks us, are we monotheistic as of faith, and we ought to be the strongest to say we are absolutely monotheistic in our faith. We believe in one God. However, we be in one God in three persons. The early church wrestled that at the Council of Nicaea. They wrestled with the nature of the, of the living God. Who is he? How can we describe him? And they wrestled in this big church council, and they came up with the, the affirmation, one substance and three persons. And they didn't go very far beyond that. That was their affirmation, one substance and three persons. And most of the discussion of the triune God has been about its essence. But I want to suggest to you that what's more important is the relational qualities of the triune God. A book that impressed me was The Shack, and I didn't like everything in The Shack, but The the Shack was the most magnificent understanding I've ever seen of the relationship of the triune God. The relationship was unbelievable, described in that book, as they interact with each other, as they respect each other, as they are on the same page. And the same page of being on the same page is seen so clearly in the writings of of the New Testament writers who heard the words of Jesus, who says, I am always on the same page with my Father. Him and I are one, are one. All decisions that were ever made were corporately made because they were always on the same page. All the events of human history was part of the decisions of the triune God who have been active in all events. He's identified in the Old Testament, Isaiah 48, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three entities are clearly described in the Old Testament. We see the Spirit active in creation. We see in the biblical account of the whole of Scripture that the God dominates, but the Son is present. And folks, He is described as present by the Apostle Paul in all the journeys of the Israelites. Who is there? It's Jesus. He's with them in every step of the way. Isaiah 63, the Holy Spirit is also active. It says in Isaiah 53, they grieve the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Israelites. Therefore, the Holy Spirit turned against them. The Holy Spirit, it says, part of the Red Sea. He led them through the wilderness. He, it said that He was the one who gave them rest. It was the Holy Spirit. And King David was so concerned that he would lose the Holy Spirit with his sin with Bathsheba because what happened with his predecessor, Saul. And we see at times the coming of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament in power. He comes for a time. We see the promise of the Holy Spirit in the book of Joel. You cannot separate, folks, 
God and isolate one person of the triune God to a particular time in human history. There was a heresy that arose in the first centuries of the church by a heretic deemed heretic, Marcion, who wanted to separate the God of the Old Testament from the God of the New Testament. And he said, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. I don't like Him. And I, he's, a separate, he's a different God from the God from the New Testament. You have to understand, it's not a different God in the Old Testament from the New Testament. The Old Testament dealing with the judgment of the nations. And therefore, it's more the theme of judgment. But the New Testament is about an emerging community of people scattered all over the world. The highest revelation, of course, being in the person of Jesus. But it was deemed a heresy to separate God somehow in the Old Testament from the New. That Marcion-type heresy is being resurrected today in a different form, but it's the same basic heresy. We see the Holy Spirit so active in the New Testament Warning against Jesus says a blasphemy against who? The Holy Spirit. Wait until you receive power of the Holy Spirit. It's better, Jesus says, that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come. Ananias, this shows the personal quality of the Holy Spirit, lied against the Holy Spirit. And a few verses later, his wife says, lied against who? God. You see the connection? And the most powerful passage in Corinthians that this Holy Spirit takes His residence in us who are the new temple. Our bodies are the new temple. And the residency, the Spirit of God, the Shekinah glory of the Old Testament, the power of God, is evident within us as the temple of God. And the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to draw people to Himself, to God, the Spirit. He draws them to Christ. And His primary role is to help us grow. But He always works in the shadow of the Son, who is the one that He lifts up the one to be ultimately worshipped and obeyed. So quickly, there's a few things about the Holy Spirit in the Scripture reading of John 14-16, through 16, which is really one of the central teachings of Jesus. In the book Healing the Masculine Soul, Gordon Dalby says that when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a helper, and that's one of his terms, he is using a Greek ancient warrior term. Greek soldiers went to battle in pairs. So when the enemy attacks them, they could draw together back to back, covering each other's blind side. The Holy Spirit is described as our battle partner who covers our blind uh, blind side and fights for our well-being. One of the best descriptions of the Holy Spirit. But let me remind you from this passage, first of all, He's always with us. He's going to give an advocate, the Father, the Comforter, the Helper, who will help us and be with us forever the Spirit of truth, forever. He lives with you. He lives in you. The work of the Spirit is always there in the life of His church. It's a profound influence. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us as we gather and as we move and live in the community of faith. He will. Unless the lampstand is removed because we reject the living God. Other than that, the Spirit of God is at work. He also is at work in our lives individually. He'll never leave us or forsake us. We can diminish His work by by the lifestyle we live that's contrary to God and we can diminish His work, but He is tenacious to be involved in your life and mine. One of the characteristics of people that are awfully deeply hurting is they, they feel like people have abandoned them. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to and they just say, I can't trust anybody because everybody I trust fails me and abandons me. Folks, one of the greatest realities that we see in this passage is that He will never abandon you. 
You always have the one coming alongside you that is there for you. That we need to draw upon His power in our times of great need. He is there with us. He is also the one, folks, in the, in the Scripture that, that convicts us, convicts the world. One of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is convict people. Conviction is absolutely essential to salvation because conviction leads to repentance. And one cannot truly come to God to receive the powerful grace of God unless one realizes their utter brokenness and sinfulness. And the work of the Spirit in the world is moving people to understand Understand where they are so that they understand their deep need of repentance and then they grab a hold of the powerful grace of the cross. He is the one who convicts the world. He is also the one who teaches and guides believers. His primary work is to transform us. Hudson Taylor says, we have given too much attention to methods and machinery and resources and too little to the source of power, the filling of the Holy Spirit the work of Him among us. And it says, He reminds you of everything that I have said. And this word was given by Jesus first to the apostles because they were the ones who listened to Jesus. They were the ones who walked with Jesus. And He wants the Spirit of God to remind them of who Jesus is and what He taught so that we could be recipients of those words. The only caveat of that is, if you don't know the word, there's nothing that He can remind you of. He's going to remind you of your understanding as you engage, as Diane talked about, engaging in the Word. Then the Spirit of God can have something to work with at your times of need. And so the understanding of the truth of God and the primary work of the Spirit is together with the Word. And finally, He is the one who exalts Jesus. He subordinates Himself. He's the one who exalts the exalted one, Jesus. The attention, the focal point in the the new kingdom is, is Jesus. He is the Lord of the new kingdom and the Spirit of God is there to exalt the very name of Jesus. And so folks, I just remind you from these passages, you can study them. I encourage you to do that. When you feel so alone and you feel like you just can't make it, you feel like you just don't have the strength, I find myself just crying out to say, Spirit of the living God, Holy Spirit, please grab a hold of me. I need you. I can't make it. I can't navigate without you. Father, may we also encourage us to be involved as we are sensitive to people around us who need Christ. To be sensitive to realize that the Spirit of God is working on the hearts of people. May we tune in to the ones that God is calling to Himself. Father, may we also, and all of us, understand what it means to be taught. May we understand the, the guidance of the Spirit of God who reminds us how many times in our life has the Spirit of God reminded us something at our point of greatest need. And he's not about, him, about the third person of the triune God, even they're all together. He exalts the Savior, who is Jesus. That's a quick crash course. Amen.